Good morning. Uh, welcome to our second Sunday of Advent. And uh, it's, the, it's technically the first Sunday of December. And uh, if you're like me, it's, you're like, thank God it's finally the last month of the year. <laughs> It's been, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy year. We got a uh, Christmas card this past week in the mail from one of our relatives, and uh, on the front, the the couple are both sitting there like this with their hands on their head, and uh, said, "Home for the holidays." Who are we kidding? We've been home all year, and uh, it's just been one of those years. It's been, it's been like uh, so trying in so many ways. It's, it's been difficult for us personally. It's been difficult for us as a country. It's been difficult for us as a church. Uh, we, we recognize that, um, that, uh, th- that this is a year that many have been shut into their homes. They're shut in. And they're also shut out of their school or their work. And, and just all of these things have made for such a trying year. I remember the, the first Sunday when we, when we weren't able to gather as we normally do in our sanctuary. Uh, we had tried to get the word out that it was going to be all online that Sunday, but a few of us had come to the church just in case someone didn't get the message, and so we could relay that message in person. And uh, and one person drove up into the parking lot, and I began to say, oh, I'm sorry, uh, you're going to uh, view the service at home this morning. And they said, no, I know, I got the word. I just wanted to see what the church would be like on a Sunday morning with no one there. I never thought I'd see the day. And I was like, you know what? I agree with that. I never thought I'd see the day. And at that time, we thought three weeks. And now it's in the last month of the year. And, uh, and God has been so gracious to us. But we're not back to what we would say is uh, quote unquote normal. Uh, I just bring all those things up to recognize once again the difficulties of this year and of this season. And uh, when I highlight the difficulties of this year and this season, I know full well that for some in our church family, this past week has been especially difficult. I've had some of those conversations with people this week, and, and uh, it's been an especially difficult week, especially difficult season, and Especially difficult here, and the question that comes to my mind, and I'm sure that uh, it has to your mind as well, is what good will come of all of this? Have you ever wondered, like, as as someone who has faith in God, like, I have in my in my heart and in my mind the uh, conviction that God will bring good from everything that place, but I wonder. Uh, what what possible good could come of this? This past week I was reading in Isaiah for my personal devotions and I came across uh, this verse and I thought I'd lay it to you this morning because it hit home for me. Isaiah eighteen seventeen says, Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. <laughs> that verse, I'm like, oh man, uh, is that a universal truth, or is this just true for Hezekiah the prophet? Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. We are, going, we are calling this Advent season a COVID Christmas. But uh, we're kind of redefining COVID. 
COVID usually stands for coronavirus disease. We're redefining COVID to mean Christ our victor is delivered. And that behind that theme is this uh, are, are, are these types of questions. What good could possibly come of this? Uh, is this to our benefit that we are suffering such a, uh, ang- anguish? These are the type of themes that are behind this uh, series because if we are to take the Advent themes that these candles represent, uh, hope and peace, next week joy and love, uh, those themes, Themes are threatened if if we do not have an, uh, an understanding that God is behind it all. Now, when we read the Christmas story, we rec- we see some of the most difficult things that we could. And uh, as Jr. already mentioned this morning, the point of sermon is to move uh, some knowledge from our heads that if God us, then the best things sometimes come from the hardest times. We really believe that in our heart. Then the best things sometimes come from the hardest times. Jill Briscoe is a, a popular Christian speaker. And uh, she and her husband uh, live in uh, Michigan and Stuart Briscoe is the pastor of a um, pretty large church in Michigan. And Jill invited to go to Croatia to deliver a message of love to, uh, the, to a Croatian church. And, uh, and she was excited to travel to uh, this foreign country. She was excited to uh, leave uh, Michigan and go and, and see a different area. And so she worked for a month on a message of God's love, and she thought of illustrations, and she thought of all of these things that she thought would be um, so helpful to the Croatian people. And when she, when the day finally arrived, and she stood before those in that church, she saw the the hurt and the pain in their lives. She recognized that nothing that she had prepared would be appropriate. That this was a an audience that had experienced such difficulties that it would give us nightmares even to hear about things of war. Many had been raped. Many had, uh, uh, were suffering from hunger and had seen murder and had uh, and and their children were suffering. In fact, almost all of those that she spoke to that were refugees that had uh, fled their home country because of uh, because of the hardships and the sufferings that she was experiencing. Jill uh, stood before the audience that night and she decided to close up her notes and put them in the back of their Bible uh, in the back of her Bible because nothing seemed appropriate. And in the quietness of her heart, she just began to pray, God, give me the words, give me a message that you would want these people for tonight. And even though it wasn't the Christmas uh, season, season, she started to tell about the birth of Christ. She just saw, saw I'm going to tell him about my Savior. I'm going to tell about the birth of Christ. And so she told him about the angels that appeared to the shepherds in the field. She told him about how Mary and Joseph had to go to 
Bethlehem and about how Jesus had been born in a manger. Without fully realizing it, she began to tell the of refugees that Jesus was once a, once a refugee. That as a little child that he and his mother had to flee to Egypt so that uh, because uh, the baby's life was being threatened by King the audience on the edge of their seats. And she said, and I'm going to quote from her speech, all these have happened to you. You had to flee. You have suffered unjustly. But you didn't have a choice. He had a choice. He knew all this would happen to you. He still came. And see, uh, and see, they, they heard this, and then, they, and then she began to tell them why he came. And many of the refugees knelt down on their knees, put their hands up in the air, and wept. And this is how she closed her speech. Is the understands. How could I possibly understand, but he can? You see, I from that speech that she gave about the Christmas story that I just want to bring some of these truths to us this morning. I'm going to tell about how Jesus and his family were refugees, not because we're refugees, but just drive home the point we have suffered. No matter what we are going through, Jesus understands. And that's hard for us to realize in the moment. How could he possibly understand? We come before him and we want to ask so many questions. God, do you know, why does it have to happen this way? Why do we have to go through this? What good could possibly come of this? But the Christian story reminds us that Jesus came to this earth to live as a man, fully God and fully man, like we talked about last week, in part so that he could understand. So that, he could, so that no one could say, God, you haven't experienced what I'm going through. In fact, there's a, there's a Bible verse in Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16 that speaks so clearly to this. This isn't our main text this morning, but I just want to read this to us because uh, like it just it's, it, it, it's a sermon in a nutshell. For we know, the author of Hebrews says, for, uh, for we do not, the author of Hebrews says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. In other words, he's gone through everything that he's able to relate, he's able to empathize with us in our weakness. And then it says, uh, but we have one who has been tempted way just as we are yet he did not sin encouragement for us us then approach god's throne of great confidence so that you may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need you see the encouragement for us today no matter how we are feeling and some of us may be going through the most difficult things because of one reason or another encouragement for us today is to turn to God because he understands and and it turn to him in prayer so that as it says here we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our
time of need. And God, God also assures us that he not only understands, but that he's working out all things together for our good. Romans 8.28 is a powerful verse that many of us hang on to. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, again, in the moment, it's hard to understand that. It's, uh, it's easy to, to try to say, oh, that, that just is outside of my experience. In the moment, it's very hard, but it, but it challenges us to trust in God that he will work all things out together for our good. And so this is what a COVID Christmas is all about, that Christ is our victor and he is delivered for us so that you go through the lowest of lows. I want us to understand that there is really only one who can save you. If I could say, if I could uh, drive home anything this morning, I want to understand that there is really only one person who can bring you through to the other side and give you hope and peace. Oh, am I? Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, okay, so is that better? Okay, sorry about that. So, okay, the... This is a good, some, sometimes, you know, interruptions are good because it helps us to refocus. Here's the point I want us to drive home. This is, this is a good time to refocus. So that when you go through the lowest of lows, there is only one who can save you, who can bring you through to the other side of hope and peace. So that when you get to the lowest point, you can turn to God in obedience and not turn away from him and flee from him in the midst of your problems, but that you can rely on him, that he will give you strength. And so this is my hope and prayer for each one of us today, that we would choose to turn towards God and to receive his help, salvation, and victory. And, uh, and there may be someone here this morning, or, or maybe there is someone who is watching online today, and maybe you have never placed your faith in Jesus. Well, I just want to encourage you that to, to recognize that no matter what you are going through, Jesus really does love you and he wants what is best for you. In fact, I would challenge you to give your life to him and to trust in him. That's really what the Christmas story is all about. Let's look at this passage together and uh, and then we're going to um, have a couple points of application. Matthew 2, 13 through 18 is the story that we've already referenced. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take your child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up took the, the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. I just, I, I, uh, I don't mean to uh, focus on this during the message, so let me just um, highlight one quick observation. I'm always amazed at how quick Joseph is to obey. You know, I prayed for years that God would give me quick obedience, that when he speaks to me, I'd have quick obedience. Uh, and so, he and his, so Joseph, the child, and the mother left during the night and, uh, and went to Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet. 
Out of Egypt I called my son. That's a, a prophecy from Hosea 11.1, 1, and we're going to come back to that. Verse 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the magi, magi he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the babies and all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what had been said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. And, and now this is a quotation from Jeremiah 31. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel is weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is one of those uh, passages that you can't sugarcoat it. Um, it's a sad and disturbing story. Uh, in fact, when, when children act out the Christmas story, I, I don't think I've ever seen this in the pageant. Like, it, it's too ugly. It's too disturbing. Uh, and, uh, but, but what we have here is basically a story of, of a genocide where all the baby boys in the city of Bethlehem and in the surrounding communities, all those baby, all those children two years old and under are put to death. And this massacre really comes because of the king's pride. Uh, he kills all the boys because the Magi have related to him that there was one who was uh, to be a king who had been born. Now, he thinks he's going to trick the Magi, and he tells them, Oh, yeah, when you find this king, come and tell me so that I can go and worship him. And, uh, and then he's going to go and take care of the ch child. We, actually, we know full well what he's going to do. But, but what happens here is he doesn't, he's not, doesn't trick the Magi. The Magi trick him. They never go back. He says he's outwitted by the mag Magi, and he is furious. And he, so, and he says, okay, I'm not going to do the hard work to investigate and try to find this one baby boy. I'm just going to wipe them all out. And you can imagine how difficult this is on this community. Can you imagine in, if it was L.A. and the surrounding communities in which every baby under the age of two uh, had been put to death in a short period of time? You could not walk the streets without he hearing the wailing from the homes. And this is what we have described here in this passage. In fact, Matthew finds an Old Testament reference to try to sum it up. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. It makes you want to ask the question if you put yourself in their shoes. It makes you want to ask the type of questions that we are asking this morning. Why, God? Couldn't there be any other way? What good could possibly come of this? Now, if we were to go back to Jeremiah 31 and, and keep going, the following verses read, They will return from the, uh, from the land of the enemy, so there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Like there is hope, but Matthew doesn't quote those verses. In the moment, the only thing that feels, that feels appropriate is to describe the weeping. And that's how we may feel in the moment. We don't have the big picture. 
We don't have uh, the, the, uh, the ultimate outcome. I've sat with too many uh, uh, families in their grief, and I wish I knew what to say. I wish I knew uh, why God was allowing this to happen or, or that to happen. But we don't have the big picture. Now, in the story of Jesus, we have the big picture. In the story of Jesus, we understand that this child is saved and then would go on to be the Savior of the world. And somehow that gives us hope that maybe all of the difficult things that we go through will somehow be used for his salvation. Again, in our limited understanding, in our limited knowledge, we want to ask, God, isn't there any other way? And we may never have that answer until we get to heaven. But, we, but God is a God who is challenging us to trust in him, that his ways are bigger and better than we can comprehend in the moment. Now, I don't uh, pretend to have an answer for why God has taken uh, America and, and all the countries of the world through this pandemic. But I, I do want to... I do try to speculate sometimes. You know, I, I sometimes think about um, how in our country there are less and less people that are trusting in the Lord. There are less, less people that are involved in church or, or have aligned their life with the, God's plan for their lives. And, um, and I... And I recognize that all of us have family and friends who don't know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And, uh, and while it would be cruel to say, oh, God is doing this or doing, doing these difficult things so that so-and-so would, be, uh, would benefit, God has ways of working in our lives and in, even in our country that he may be up to something to... Uh, help us to uh, draw others to his, to his to himself. You know, as a church, we've always said that we open our doors wide so that many may enter through the narrow gates. If God were to use whatever difficulty we were to experience so that more could enter through the narrow gates, then I think we would raise our hands and say, yes, it's worth it. If God, would if God would use any difficulty that we experience in our lives to bring others into a saving knowledge of him, then it's, then it's worth it. Going back to the uh, story in Matthew, uh, we're not given the why. We're not given the why of, what, of this genocide, uh, except for one reason. And, uh, and that is that it says that so that the scriptures may be fulfilled. And this is where Matthew then goes on to quote Hosea 11.1. 1, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Now I always find it fascinating to go back and to look at the prophecy in context. Like that's what I did with Jeremiah 31. I went back the same and I looked at the prophecy in context in Hebrews 1. Now I'll admit if it wasn't for Matthew... And I read uh, Hosea 11.1. Uh, I would never conclude that that was talking about Jesus. It, in context, it really doesn't seem to be. It's talking about the people of Israel. 
It's talking about how they have been brought out of Egypt when they were slaves in Egypt. But somehow, the way that Matthew applies it to Jesus gives me hope. Because, he's, because Matthew is recognizing that what happens to, his, to God's people also happens to God's Son. And what happens to God's Son also happens to God's people. Now, today, you and I, if we trust in Jesus, we are God's people. And this is where the application comes in. Because what if we, as God's people, were to use this opportunity to be God's hand of salvation, to be God's hand of victory? What if we were to be God's ambassadors, God's representatives, to bring God's message of salvation to uh, those that we know and love? So that in the midst of such difficulty, we were to go out of our way to show God, uh, to show others God's love. Now, it doesn't take a lot of effort, uh, but I want all of us to think right now of someone that we know who is going through something difficult, going through a difficult time. You may think of someone that's shut in. They're not uh, an elderly person that's not able to go out and to to be with family during the Christmas season. You may think of someone who's struggling financially. You may think of someone who's lost a loved one. You, uh, you may think of someone who doesn't know Jesus, and they don't even realize they're suffering, but they are in their soul. I want you to think of someone right now, and I want you to recognize, and I want you to think of how you could be a source of God's love to them during this Christmas season. You see, Christ, our victor, is delivered is not only a comfort for us, but it's a challenge to us that we could go out of our way to, uh, to bring that victory, that God's salvation, to someone. It might be dropping off a meal. It might be uh, picking up the phone and calling someone. It might be sharing a letter or buying some Christmas presents for some kids. It might, uh, it might be simply saying, uh, be, di being diligent to pray for someone during this time or to share the gospel with them. But what if we were the hands of, and feet of Jesus during this time? What if we uh, were the ones that were able to bring the best things during the most difficult times? Really not us, but God through us. But what if we made ourselves open and available to God using us uh, to be a blessing during this time? See, I think then we're not only understanding uh, the message of Christmas, then we're reenacting it over and over and over again to bring God's blessings out of the difficulty. This is a season for us to not slip into despair because of our circumstances, but to spread God's love. In fact, I want to take a moment, and we're just going to celebrate now uh, by remembering how God has been mindful of us. And so I'm going to uh, go back. I'm going to read a couple of uh, messages on some Christmas ornaments, and I'll invite Dawson and Kinsey are going to be my decorators here this morning. 
And uh, this is a blessing because um, this is a reminder that God loves us and is still bringing about his salvation to us. From John and Julia Curra and their family, as challenging as these times are, uh, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, resonates for us. In little and big ways, we have seen the Lord's blessing upon our family. God is faithful, and we remember his perfect love. And that comes from the Akuras. Okay, this is the message that uh, Dawson and Kinsey wrote. It has been a blessing to have God in our family in, in our in our family's lives that's from uh, Dawson and Kinsey yep. and this comes from Shiori Sakamoto on this day God gave us Jesus a miracle God gave us his son we love uh, and we know the truth we know beauty peace and hope all because of him Merry Christmas from Shiori. This is from Bill and Jenny Acosta. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, and I lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I acknowledge him, and he does direct our paths. Bill and Jenny. This one, uh, this one comes from Susan Washington. Serenity, courage, and wisdom. This one from Audrey Sakamoto. COVID Christmas draws me profoundly close to God as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, who gives me peace in this troubled season. And then she quotes Psalm 18 or Psalm 16:8. I know the Lord will I know the Lord is with me and uh, will and I will not be shaken from Audrey. From uh, Ann and Bob Smith. Happy birthday Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross to save us so that we could be reconciled to our Father in heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 From Paul and Shizuka Mitsuhashi. And uh, these words mean so much to us because of what uh, Shizuka continues to, how she continues to suffer uh, physically, but but God has but God has done an amazing work in her, and she continues to persevere and actually grows stronger physically. They say God is love, and love is healing. Thank you, uh, WCCC, for all the love, Paul and Shizuka Mitsuhashi. Whoops, sorry. This one comes from the Kishimoto family. Christmas is hope, family. Jesus and Jesus with us. God bless our West Covina Christian Church family. Love the Kishimotos. 
from Jean Hara. Praising God for the joy of Christmas. Thankful I can serve and help others from Jean. From Clyde and Alma. We are thankful that the Lord is our in is in our lives to guide, strengthen, empower, love, and encourage us. We are blessed. God has answered our prayers and our church and our family is healthy. Most thanks for our Heavenly Father, Clyde and Alma. And lastly, from Art and Ilda Hernandez. We are thankful for God's love, protection, and guidance. We're also thankful for the community at the church that, that reminds us how to be Christ-like, Art and Ilda. Oh, and uh, we have a couple more. You want to grab those from J.R. Dawson? Okay, very good. Thank you. Oh, okay, thank you. This is um, from Ron and Marcella and Matthew. Enjoy pic picnic-style service. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> enjoy picnic-style service. Um, okay. And this one says, Emmanuel. God with us. Amen. And lastly, this one says, enjoy praying together. You know, I wanted to take a moment and read all of those because it is a reminder of God's faithfulness to us. That, um, that the victory of Jesus is still in our lives and in our church family. And he has been so faithful to us. The cross is the most difficult thing, that, uh, the, the most terrible time we could ever imagine. But it is really through the cross, through the, death, through the birth of Christ and through the death of Christ that we come to see most clearly that God brings the best of things through the hardest of times. Let's take a moment now and prepare our hearts for communion. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you meet us in the most difficult of times. And God, right now, I just, I lift up uh, our church family, and we lift up those that may be hurting or suffering in one way or another. And God, we pray that as we turn our hearts to you in communion, that what these elements represents would, would come and, uh, and minister to us. We thank you that your body was broken and your blood was shed so that we could have sal salvation. And just even in the symbolic act of eating and drinking these elements, we are asking you to 
come into our lives and to fill us with your love. And so, God, I pray that you would fill our hearts and our minds with those thoughts right now. And not only for all that you have done for us, but may our hearts be filled with a prayer for how we could spread that salvation to others. So, God, come and minister to us now during communion. In Jesus' name, amen.